Braylon Williams, and welcome back to another episode of Enneagram Restored Podcast. For my faith listeners, thanks for listening again. For my new listeners, I hope you enjoy this episode. Today, I'm going to talk about how Type 8, the challenger, give and receive love, what happens to 8s during times of disintegration and growth, as well as some restorative ways 8s can combat unhealthy habits, especially during periods of disintegration. So let's start by talking about type eights and love. So there can be this misinterpretation that eights are kind of really incapable of love when actually in reality, eights have a really soft and emotional side to them. Uh, Eights just aren't very outwardly expressive of their emotions, but they do fall in love just as hard as anyone else. I would argue, and this might be because I'm an eight myself, and so I'm a little bit biased, but I would argue that eights fall in love even more harder than any other type. It's just that eights become experts in putting up a facade that hides their vulnerable side because it's so hard for eights to give up control of their life and to show emotions. And because they put up this facade, Eights really value someone who will confidently stand up to them and who will be patient with them while they learn the ins and the outs of emotions. Um, That's sort of the key things that eights seek in a partner or in a friendship. Uh, There are some other basic things that eights desire that from love that we often keep secret, that we keep to ourselves. We keep some secret desires in the, in the little trolls of our hearts um, as eights. And a few of those things are that eights secretly, de- secretly desire that in relationships that they have someone who will give them fair discussions and debates that clear the air. I know for myself, a lot of times, uh, I can often come off as intimidating or like I'm trying to pick a debate about something when really I'm just trying to gain clarity on a uh, on a statement someone made. It's like, uh, you said this, but I'm not really fully understanding it. So here I am asking additional questions, trying to get more facts on it. But somehow I, I come off as like, oh, I want to pick an actual debate. I want to argue um make this a heated argument when really, I'm really not trying to make it heated at all. I'm just trying to gain clarity on what it is that person said. I don't know why that is. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the like rough exterior I present of myself or just if it's because of the tone of my voice, but more oftentimes than not, when I ask questions to give clarity, I'm not trying to pick a heated argument. I'm not trying to make a big debate. But I do value someone who's very able to be able to have fair discussions and be able to debate with me uh, on things just to allow there to be no confusion about a subject, no confusion about a statement that's made um, so much that before this podcast, I had a podcast called Digging Deep, and that's pretty much all I did. I presented the facts, and there I encouraged my listeners, I encourage the audience to uh, really just take the facts that I presented 
during an episode and to form their own own opinions about such about the topic that was presented. But aside from that, apes, we also we have this secret desire to have opportunities that allow us to be vulnerable with confidence. We don't want to, we want to be vulnerable with people, but at the same time, we don't want to have to second guess ourselves and in our openness. We don't have to be like, we don't want to be, okay, was that, was that accepted? What was, was me showing that soft side of me? Was that something that they wanted to see or no, we, we want to say, all right, this person, we wanted to see that, so we gave it to them. This person wanted to see that soft side of us, so we gave it to them. We don't want to be second-guessing. Apes don't want to second-guess. Were, were we, were, wasn't a uh, presenting a vulnerable side of themselves without question? And again, you got, it's also, Apes value being stood up to with confidence and conviction. For me personally, I know that it might, might ring the same for other apes as well, is that if you come to me with the statement, but you don't have the conviction, you don't have the confidence in that statement, I'm not going to believe you. I, I may say <laughs> women get paid less than men, but you might believe that, oh, wait, that's not right. Women, only 10% of women get paid less than men. Well, I'm saying 90% of women get paid less than men. You believe 10% get paid, but you don't really come with facts. You don't really come with confidence. You don't have that conviction to behind that statement that only 10% of women get paid less than men. I'm not going to believe your statement because there's just something about AIDS. We have this ability to really see through the BS, in, 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 in lack of a better term, we have this ability to really see, oh, that's BS, that's bull. Um, that's a gift that we have as eights, I believe. And it might just be me that has this gift, but I, I, I choose to believe that all eights have the ability to see through the BS, to see through the bull crap. So I say all that to say this, if you going to come to an aide and say something. You better have conviction. You better have some confidence behind whatever it is that you're saying. Um, and just as an aide myself, I can tell you all of these secret desires are very, very true. Um, and there are more. These are just a few that I've listed here, but there are definitely more. And I can tell you right now, for me, right now in life, the biggest one that I desire is the opportunity to be vulnerable with confidence. And so I, I talked a little bit about uh, in the last episode about how I have this desire and I want to be more vulnerable and more open with my emotions in the last episode, um, which if you haven't listened to that, I highly encourage you to listen to that. Um, it's a great episode. Um, and so really this desire to be more open, to be more vulnerable stems from the fact that so many times in the past, I've let so many relationships, both platonic and romantic, just go to waste because I wasn't able or I, and I wasn't willing to be vulnerable. I wasn't willing and able to be open with my emotions. I didn't allow people to see in me. I didn't allow people to get very close to me. 
I, I shut them out after a point where I just saw no benefit in the relationship anymore. So much so that what the first question I asked myself when a new relationship presented itself is, what can I get out of this relationship? But ever since I've been on this journey, ever since I've been on this in this pursuit to uh, restore my vulnerability and emotions and to be more open, that question has changed. That question has been changed from what can I get out of this relationship to will this person allow me to experiment with my vulnerability? And experiment is a key word in that question there because as an eight, as someone who struggles with vulnerability and emotions and expressing emotions, I want you to know that we're not going to get it right. There might be times where like, okay, I'm fully open with this person, but five minutes later, I'm fully closed off to another person. There might be times where I'm fully open with you one day, but with that same person, I only allow you to see to see about 10 to 20% of my emotions the next day. It's an experiment because I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Apes, we, we aren't too keen of being open. We aren't too keen of expressing emotions. So when I say experiment, that's really what it is. We're experimenting. I'm experimenting with my vulnerable side with you. I'm, I'm experimenting with my expressing emotions with you. So will you allow me to do this experiment within our relationship? So experiment is a key word within that question. So it's not, will you allow me to be vulnerable? But will you allow me to experiment my vulnerability with our relationship? So in all, I say this to say that, that if you know someone who is an eight and, and you just, you find it hard to love them, Give them time. Step back and give them time. Be patient with them. Because in due time, I promise you, with all the belief I have, with all the confidence that is within me, I promise you that in due time, that eight that you know and love will become more open. They will be able to express their emotions with you more. They'll be more open to expressing those through like outward physical um, signs that might be hugging um, or actually telling you that they love you or, or that might be, you know, just like just giving eight time to experiment with their vulnerability and expressing emotions because it's not something that comes natural to an eight. Don't give up on an eight. Because I promise you, that eight that you know and love, they want to be more open with you. They want to allow you to see their emotions. They just don't know how to do it just yet. So they're experimenting. They're trying to see what ways work with you, what ways don't work with you to allow uh, them to allow them to be more open with you, while at the same time not being able to be seen as weak. And so there really becomes a point where an eight, in order to really be open with everybody, has to learn that is vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. And so just give them time. Be patient with them. I promise you, they really do 
want to just be open with you. They really, truly do want to show you their entire emotions. They want to be completely vulnerable with you, but it just does not come natural. So you have to be patient with them. Don't give up on loving them. Just wait. Because in due time, it might be two days down the road. It might be five years. It might be 20 years. But that eight that you know and love will one day allow you to see the inside of them. They will be, They will allow you to see them at the full vulnerableness. They will allow you to, to see every emotion that they have without restraint. So I want to move on from talking about love to um, talking about eights during times of stress and times of security. So each type from the Enneagram draws energy from two other types during different time periods. So um, for eights, uh, and these periods are referred to as stress or disintegration and security or growth. And so for eights during times of stress, during times of disintegration, uh, they take on some of the unhealthy traits of type five. Um, so under stress, type eights will often become detached and retreat to being alone and really given more attention to their pessimistic thoughts and becoming really over analytical of what, what went wrong, uh, more over analytical of just life in general. Um, during this alone time. But on the other hand, during a time of growth uh, and security, ACE will take on the positive attributes of type two. Um, during security, during growth, ACE become very open-hearted and very caring for other people, which is kind of strange, honestly, being with the fact that it's hard for ACE to express emotions and, and to be vulnerable, that that to that in a time of growth and security that that eights will become open-hearted and caring that's really kind of strange but it it really works out somehow that it works that way um because really if you think about it like here's a type that struggles with emotions but during growth they're being caring for people so it, it really like if you think about it it really works out just too well i really and myself i really don't know how i can explain it any better but i do that i want to give you a few examples in order to be that in order to give you a few examples i, I want to be honest with you if, if you allow me to be honest with you can i be honest with you <laughs> just for one moment um this last week was a literal hellhole for me um and i i have this term <laughs> I, I, I'm very worried of saying this because I might lose, but to really put into perspective of how bad this week was for me, I, I want to use a term I, I really coined myself. And this past week was a shit fest for me, if I can be honest with you. And I'll start on Monday. So Monday morning, I, I had to do laundry. I was out of towels. I needed to get my towels cleaned. I had to put them in the washer, put them in the dryer. I had to do laundry. So I live at the end of the hallway on the third floor of my dorm room, of my dorm hall. And the laundry room is on the first floor. So 
I have one of those laundry detergents that's pretty heavy, um, and it's really kind of like one of those big drink cooler dispensers where you have a cup and you have to press like this silicone button for it to dismiss the liquid. Uh, it's like that. And so instead of carrying it down the steps, what I typically do is I sit it on my dresser, I pour the amount of detergent I need, and then I go put the clothes in the washer and I come back up and then I sit it back on the floor. Well, this past time, that did not happen exactly how it typically happens. I get back on the dirt on my on my floor, the third floor of my dorm, and as I'm walking towards my room, I just hear this loud gulping sound. Gulp, 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 gulp. I'm just wondering, what is that sound? Has a pipe bursted in the dorm? I'm like, I'm like, what 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 is going on? I'm like, what is happening? What is this, where is this noise coming from? Well, lo and behold, I get to my room, I look in the door, and there is my detergent on the floor, cat busted off and just spilling all over the carpet. <laughs> That's a great way to start off your Monday, is it not? Well, I get I, I get it all cleaned up with the housekeeping or I get it all cleaned up. You think that's the worst the week can happen? Well, I was wrong because on Friday night, I was in the, in the campus cafeteria. We had barbecue wings. And I had a plate of barbecue wings and ranch dressing on my plate. So typically what I do, I have my drink in my right hand. And as I go to get utensils, I typically sit my plate on top of the drink and hold it against my stomach while I get the utensils. And then I put the plate back in my left hand. Well, this time, some weird anomaly decided to take place in my life. And aside from the fact that I've been doing banquet serving off and on in my life for ever since sixth grade, which is really like 16 years now, <laughs> aside from that fact and I've never dropped a plate during banquet serving, I've never dropped a plate even just holding my own food, it decides to spill I have French dressing, barbecue sauce on my clothes, not to mention my Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce and ranch dressing has also spilled on my white checkered van shoes, which I have kept um, almost pristine clean for the two and a half years I've had these vans. That was probably the most upsetting of that entire incident is the fact that stuff spilled on my white checkered vans that I take very good care of. Um, but, okay, it's Friday. You, <laughs> the week is over. You think it can't get no worse. Well, I was wrong once again because that following Sunday, I had to be at church at 7 a.m. for a worship rehearsal. Well, I had a jam-packed Saturday because my... The guys on my floor, we had an event that I ran and I hosted. So I was really just tired. And I guess I was so tired that I forgot to change my alarm. So every other day of the week, I have my phone alarm set to 730 because that's just the time I get up. The time that works best every that time that works best Monday through Saturday for me. But Sundays, I have to change it because I, I typically have to be at church earlier. So I had to typically get up at like 530 to get ready and be at church on time. Well, I guess I fell asleep before I can make that change in my alarm. 
And so my alarm did not go off until 7.30, and I had to be at church at 7. So I don't know how, but somehow within 10 minutes, like in 10 minutes, I was able to get up, brush my teeth, get dressed, and be in church in like 20 minutes. It was only by the hand of God that that happened, but I made it there. <laughs> and enough time for the final um, run through of worship rehearsal before the first service started. But it is that it's during all three of these times of stress that I, I became detached of myself. I really wanted to get away from socialness. I, I just wanted to be alone. And of course, Sunday, I couldn't do that because here I am in church. I had two services to get through. But other times, I, I just I retreated to my room just to myself for a little bit. And I really started to become detached away from social settings. And I, I gave in to my over-analytical thinking, to my pessimistic thinking, thinking about of what did I do? What human mistake did I make to allow these spills to happen, to allow the detergent to fall off the dresser, to allow the plate of food to fall and to cover me in restaurants, see barbecue sauce and Dr. Pepper? What mistake did I make? I just really began to overanalyze stuff more than I should have. And, and that's that. That's I, I, In that moment, I took on the unhealthy traits of a type five. So, but... Like the scripture says, we've been made there for the night, but joy comes in the morning. <laughs> this past Monday, I had the opportunity to experience a time of security and to exhibit the healthy the healthy traits, the positive attributes of a healthy type two. Because one of my friends um, was on the brink of a mental breakdown to just due to the stress of uh, coursework, as you know, any college kid might get. Um, at least once a week, if not more than once in a week in a lifetime, because it's college. We all been there. We've all experienced a mental breakdown within a week because of coursework, especially since it's close to finals. So one thing he just needed to help avoid this mental breakdown is that he needed somebody to just drive him to Taco Bell to get some food. And because like I was really just feeling relaxed at night, uh, I had just gotten back from a rehearsal, um, so I was I was really I was really like I really don't want to do anything. So I was really just trying to relax. And I was like, you know what? I'll I'll drive you. It's like I wasn't stressed out. I, I was just relaxed. I was I was secure myself. I was really feeling a time of security. And so because of that, I was able to at I was able to exhibit you know the open heartedness, the caring attributes of a type two just by driving him to Taco Bell and allowing him the opportunity to get food. And so uh, th these are just some small examples in the past week or so of my life um, of how as an eight, I've eight examples of stress in my life and as eight examples of security, how those things have presented, them, presented themselves in my life in this past week as an eight. But Overall, stress and security present themselves in a wide variety of ways in every different individual eight's life. Um, an eight might experience some of the same things I have, and there might be another eight that experienced something so different than I've experienced this week. 
stress and security presented itself for each eight, each individual eight different ways. But there is a wide variety of ways that um, an eight can exhibit and experience um, the unhealthy traits of a type five during stress and vice versa, how they can experience and exhibit those healthy traits of a type two during a time of security. Hey, it's your host, Braylon Williams. I want to say thank you for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. You can support Enneagram Restored even more by sharing this podcast with your family and friends and by making a monthly donation at anchor.fm slash Enneagram Restored slash support. Again, thank you for listening to Enneagram Restored Podcast. Let's talk about some restorative ways that eights can combat unhealthy habits. And so for me, um, when I try to combat my unhealthy habits, uh, but I, I can't keep myself from detaching, I don't have the energy or or maybe I can't force myself to be social, I, I will do yoga um, or I will go for a drive or I will go outside and just sit in nature. And when I think about it, though, it's very odd when I think about the, the times that I just go outside and sit in nature. It's really, it's like 95% of the time when I do that, it's at nighttime. Hardly ever do I go outside and just sit in nature during the day. Uh, that could be problematic someday. But you know what? It's worked out so far, so I won't worry about it because I'm from the country. So there's nothing to worry about in the country. Besides just being scared of what might be out there, <laughs> might be some coyotes, might be some ghosts, who knows? But anyway, that's a side note. <laughs> that's a little tangent. I'm very horrible. Anyway, we're going to stay on track. <laughs> uh, but that, that's doing these things allows me to not be social, but at the same time, it gives it, it gives some type of distraction to my pessimistic and over analytical thoughts. Um, driving i have to be cautious about you know stop light stop signs drivers around me you know my, my surroundings so i can't really fully go in depth and delve myself into my pessimistic over analytical thoughts i have to keep some concentration on the road um and when i'm in nature it's like i hear all these other sounds i hear you know animals in the background the wind the rustling the of the leaves on the trees so there's this there's this distraction that nature gives that keeps me away from my pessimistic over analytical thoughts um when i'm doing yoga i typically have a video instructor on so i really have to pay attention to the instructor on screen because i'm still a newbie at yoga and so i'm a so i have to really pay attention so it's like there's not much really time to think of my pessimistic over analytical thoughts. And at the same time, as you do yoga, um, and if you ever get into yoga yourself and become a yogi, you will know that it's very impo- important to focus on your breathing while doing yoga. And so that, that really, really focusing on your breathing and while also having an instructor on the screen really distracts me from the thoughts 
the pessimistic thoughts, the over-analytical thoughts. And so those are just some of the ways that I, I, I combat unhealthy habits um, while at the same time not allow myself to be detached, allow myself to not be social. Um, but I also have ways that I combat my unhealthy habits while forcing myself to be social and not allow myself to be detached. So when I come combat my unhealthy ways, but I force myself to be social, I often will um, go shopping. And I, when I say shopping, I, I actually mean window shopping because I'm in college, I'm broke. I really can never afford anything. I barely can afford a, a piece of dirt on the ground. So <laughs> I always go window shopping. But whether it's actual shopping, shopping is very therapeutic for me. I know it's therapeutic for a lot of people. It's just something about it. But it is a way for me to be social without being social because here I am surrounded by people. I may not talk to them, but there's the energy of socialness there. Uh, I'll also typically go hang out in a friend's room on campus, you know, uh, because I'm forcing myself. I may not talk to them. Um, I may say a few words, but it's like, here I am in this moment again, surrounded by the energy of socialness surrounded by, you know, the opportunity to create a social environment and not to be alone by myself and in my thoughts. And, and one of my favorites is what, especially when I'm back at home is <laughs> just, I like to go have fun with the kids that my mother babysits. Um, and so little side story here. One day while I was back at home for Christmas break, I just wasn't doing too well. I was in a very depressive mood, one of the worst depressive moods I've ever been in in my life. And so I really just sat in my room, like it's daytime. And typically during the day, how I have my room is I have a desk lamp and I just let the sunshine and that desk lamp be my only source of light. I don't really keep the light on my room during the day until it gets too dark for it to be just a lamp and sunlight. But I, I had that on, and I, I really don't even have a TV on uh, because I'm just, I just don't want anything. I just want to be alone, like me, just drawn to, you know, my mind. But when the kid comes back to my room, and typically this kid, when he comes back to my room, what he does is he comes back, gets my attention, leaves, or he comes back and hands me something, never know what it might be. It might be a piece of dirt, it might be some food, it, it might be a toy. I really kind of get worried about whatever it is he hands me, but he, he will come back to my room and just leave because he's a very <laughs> hit and go type of kid. He's very energetic, and so he never really stays for long. But this day he, he just comes and he, he sits down on my floor and he looks at me as if he was asking me, are you okay, Braylon? <laughs> I know he's very unaware of it, but you know, just that, just him doing that was very, uh, just a relief to me. And, and I'm telling you, I tell you that to say that kids have, have this instinct to know when things are not going all too well. And 
other than that, there's really no actual reason for me telling that story other than just say I love my kids and to, you know, talk about my kids. I call them my kids, but they're not actually my kids. Uh, it's just kids. My mama, my mama babysits and I claim it's my own, but they are my kids. My parents don't know that. They are mine. So, but, however, aside from the ways that I take, how I combat my unhe- my unhealthy habits, there are some more practical ways for any eight um, to combat unhealthy habits. And the first one is that just take time to stop to and think about what it is you're thinking and what it is you're feeling before you make a decision. As part of the gut triad, eight eights are notorious for about acting on the first instinct, acting on the first emotion, acting on that gut level. So step back, take some time. What is it that you're thinking? What is it that you're feeling? Think about those things before you make a decision as an eight. Also, as an eight, learn that vulnerability is a strength and not a weakness. And discover that, discover your limits. (laughs) As, As eights, often more than not, we frequently push ourselves past our limits. And as eights, we're often unaware of when it, the times we push ourselves past our limits. So pay attention to that. Pay, pay attention to your mental and emotional state and just allow yourself as an eight time to rest and recover. Also, be more intentional about giving love to others and be more intentional about receiving love from love from others more openly. This is this is also one of those things that I'm working on myself as an eight, and I highly encourage you to, if you're an eight that's listening to this podcast episode right now, to work on this about that intentionality of giving and receiving love more openly. And lastly, one of the more practical ways that, as a type eight, that you and I can. Um, combat unhealthy habits is just allow people to take the lead sometimes you know as eights we have this desire we have this um basic fear of losing control and which is more control over our lives but somehow will still um seep into other aspects you know control of you know the situation control over the event control over the task even but because if that goes wrong, then somehow it seeps back into our lives and we lose the sense of control of that we don't have control over our lives. So just sometimes step step back and allow somebody to take the lead in the group. Allow somebody to take the lead on hosting the event. Allow somebody to take the lead over cooking the dinner and hosting the, the get together. Those are just some really practical ways that as AIDS, that you can combat those unhealthy habits. Well, folks, that's all that I have for this week's episode of Enneagram Store. Um, again, thank you for listening. Um, I want to encourage you don't miss next week's show. Uh, I'll be talking about some of the same things I talked about here with the type eights, but for type one, um, not type one, type nine, my bad. So 
you, you don't want to miss that. Uh, and I do just want to put this disclaimer out there that until I get through all of the types in the gut triad, uh, and really the, the exact same for the head and heart types as well, a lot of these episodes in this first season of any Grimmer Store podcast are really going to sound really repetitious. And the reason behind that is because this first season is really just going to be the building blocks on seasons to come after this first season so really giving a lot of the basic information within the season so you really have some knowledge to build off of and so we don't have to it's less information more action type things in seasons to come more interviews in next seasons rather than information to learn off of um, as far as like the basicness of the Enneagram so um don't don't let the repetition the repetition of the episodes kind of sway you from listening i promise you even though the layout is going to be really repetitious and really the same for a lot of episodes each episode is still going to be very different in and of itself so i really encourage you to keep listening to each episode Uh, and with that being said remember that the enneagram doesn't define you but it does bring restoration It helps reshape your thinking and habits.